Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, a show where we talk to experts who've taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have sailed around the world to those who've started thriving businesses and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. This is episode 14 with elite athlete, plant-based nutrition expert, entrepreneur, best-selling author, and nutrition advisor, Brendan Brazier. This episode was brought to you by Prana. Prana makes clothing for all kinds of adventures, from yoga to climbing, surfing, after surf, even work. We pretty much wear Prana product every day. Best of all, they're built to move with your body. So for surfing, swimsuits stay on, which is awesome. Shorts flex even when you're reaching your legs in weird climbing spots and in yoga. And dresses are constructed to go from the beach to a meeting or a date, which is great for me because I don't love changing. You can wake up, get dressed, and hit the road. Also, for those who care, Prana keeps the environment in mind when they make all their products. You can check out Prana's sustainability video series at prana.com. And right now, if you go to the website and enter the code WILDIDEAS, you'll get 20% off full-priced items. Brendan Brazier is one of the most well-known plant-based athletes on the planet. He's the author of the bestseller Thrive and the founder of several companies, including Vega, a plant-based protein nutrition company, something I put in my smoothies every day. He also has a magazine, Alive, which is available for free at better health food stores around the country, including Whole Foods. He's been a nutrition advisor to everyone from Venus Williams to actor Hugh Jackman, the NHL, the NFL, and so much more. We talk a lot about nutrition and living wildly and what you need to eat to live wildly as well. But just so you know, this is a podcast, not advice from your doctor. So take it and just enjoy it. I really enjoyed this show. I hope you do too. Okay, so today we have Brendan Brazier, one of the most leading, well-known plant-based athletes on the planet, an incredible entrepreneur. Brendan, you've had so many wild ideas. You did Ironman. You're a top-ranked Ironman athlete. You created one of the first vegan plant-based proteins. You wrote a book, a bunch of books, created an app, a food delivery service, a magazine, You've done TV shows. You've got more companies in the works. Where do you where do you come up with these wild ideas? Good question. I um I think well for me you know the first first one doing um doing triathlon and uh, some I guess longer races Ironman being one of them as you mentioned it's really just uh, for me that was just fun I I like running swimming I like biking so that was um, I just sort of did what I wanted to do. It really wasn't um, anything that I ever had to force myself to do or uh, I, I never, no willpower ever came into uh, to, to having, uh, you know, to go out and train. I just really liked it. I've always liked it. So that to me came pretty easy. And then the other ones, you know, like with Vega, for example, it was really just trying to solve a problem. The way most things are invented, you know, you have, um, you just have something you're, you're trying to figure out or a problem you're, you're trying to solve and, and, you develop something, and for me, it was really just trying to get good nutrition uh, that digested easily, that provided a lot of nutrients that the body could easily assimilate and, and use for for training to help me recover more quickly. Therefore, of course, train more in less time and improve faster. So it was really just a solution, and then I think really that's most of the things. It's just finding solutions, and some of that is done through, you know, obviously through through products. 
how old were you when you decided to start eating a mostly plant-based diet? I was 15. So that's when I got into running track in high school. I actually started off, I wanted to, uh, to be a high-level hockey player. I grew up in Canada. So, you know, a lot of people there started skating at five and I, I didn't. And, you know, now I was 15 at this point and, and had never skated. So I was pretty far behind there. But I tried it. I started playing hockey um, and I, I wasn't a good skater. And I figured maybe I could offset my lack of skating ability with greater fitness. So I started running and I I got better at running, but I didn't get better at hockey. So I just kind of stuck with running and realized I really liked that. So I ran track in high school then and um, I, I liked it a lot. I thought if, if I like running, maybe I like swimming and cycling as well. So I started doing those things and realized I really liked triathlon. And, and then that, um, as, as many people know, of course, triathlon takes a lot of training. And it's really just about working more. It really is more is better uh, to some degree. And, and talent has very little to do with it, especially as the races get longer. Talent becomes less and less important. And just sheer volume of work becomes more important. So to work hard, you have to obviously recover fast so you can pack more training into less time. So I really focus on recovery. What could reduce inflammation? What could help me just feel good again in the morning when I woke up after a huge day of training? And, of course, nutrition plays a big role in that. So I started looking into that and, and what constitutes a good recovery and what could I start to eat and some things that I could stop eating to help me speed recovery. Uh, so that's how I got into it. So it was really with the goal in mind of racing professionally. Uh, that was my motivation for for getting into nutrition and starting to eat a certain way was, was really just trying to have a pro career as an athlete. That's interesting because I actually did triathlons for a while and you just have to eat so much when you're training. And it was always really annoying to me. And I'm actually drinking a Vega protein shake right now. It's pretty funny. Pretty random. It was not planned, by yeah. the way. It's awesome. So who kind of helped inform you about plant-based nutrition, though? I mean, at 15, you're, you're pretty young. Were your parents, you know, eating, eating this way or coaches or other athletes? No, and it was, it was really... Um... That's actually what I think interested me about it, too, is that I, I talked with different athletes and coaches, and not about eating plant-based. My goal was to never eat plant-based. My goal was to perform better. So whatever I ate, um, it was with the goal to, to be better. That, that was my agenda. Um, so I tried all different ways of eating, high-carb, low-carb, high-protein, low-protein. and Some were better than others, but nothing really seemed to work great for me. And, and I realized, too, because... I had a very good coach. He coached some of the top track athletes in the country, and he was quite traditional. Um, so he was somewhat closed-minded to, to anything new because he had a system and it worked. But when I talked to him about eating eating different, he really wasn't that interested, which was interesting to me because then I thought, well, you know, maybe there's a real opportunity here to to boost performance if, if these top-level coaches aren't really aware of it. Maybe you know a lot of athletes aren't becoming aware of it, uh, which proved to be true. You know, this was back in uh, 1990. So obviously access to information back then was uh, much more limited than it is today. So that, that's really what got me interested was just finding the lack of, of knowledge uh, around nutrition and therefore the possibility of um, there, there kind of being a blind spot there. Can you maybe talk a little bit about what your nutrition philosophy is. Sure. It's really, and, and again, this evolved over time, but um, when I found 
what worked, uh, it, uh, yeah, it really changed things a lot. I started off eating pretty standard, just kind of, you know, just average. And then, uh, and then, yeah, like I say, trying different ways of eating and that evolving over time. I, and then I did try completely plant-based just to see how it was. And it didn't work at first for me. I was quite hungry a lot of the time and I was tired and didn't recover that well. But then I started finding out uh, that I was lacking a few things. So complete protein, vitamin B12, iron, calcium, omega-3 fats, and really just found plant-based sources for each of those things, blended them together, had a blender drink every day after my workout, and it worked. You know, it didn't taste good. It was, it was just func- functional, really. It wasn't something you just sit down and enjoy, but it got the job done, and that eventually evolved into what became Vega. So that's how it started. It was really just oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, because Vega tastes things. like dessert. By the way, it's sometimes I just eat it like dessert. I don't know if that's weird. Well, it's gone a lot better. <laughs> that's really yeah. Good. Back uh, in nineteen or I guess two thousand four is when it actually came out. But yeah, the first version it really was nothing like it is today. It was uh, it, it all settled to the bottom. It didn't mix well at all. It was very grainy, very gritty. It was uh, yeah, it was it was a little hard to get down, but you know, the sort of person I am and uh, a lot of other people in triathlon, as I'm sure you know, you know, they'll, they'll put up with that. They're, they're okay with that as long as they can feel good and perform well. So in addition to shakes, is there any other things that you kind of stick to? I know whole food's well, a big part of what you do as well. Yeah, for sure. I eat, um, I pretty simply, I, I eat a lot of leafy greens for sure. They're, um, they're very high in minerals, which our alkaline forming, which help reduce inflammation, which of course as athletes we get a lot of. Um, also sprouted foods, I like um, sprouted uh, lentils, legumes, beans, peas, things like that. Uh, buckwheat as well is really good to sprout because it's all, it is a seed. It's, uh, it's not actually a grain, so it does sprout, uh, which makes it easier to digest. And when you digest food more easily, you spend less energy digesting it, therefore you have more. So in, in my book, I talk about um, a few different nutrition principles, and one of them is high net gain nutrition, I call it. So really just that, choosing to eat foods that take less energy to digest but return more nutrition. So less energy out, more vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants in. And it's just really an efficiency thing, which a lot of triathletes understand, right, because it's all triathlon. It's you know, you could go harder at any given point during the race, but is that uh, is that extra effort you're expending going to be sustainable? Is that going to get you through? So it's really just finding efficiencies uh, and then transferring that sort of mindset through to nutrition efficiencies. I thought one of the other interesting things you talk on your website about is, is kind of adrenal fatigue and how sometimes we go to food like coffee or other stimulants for energy. Can you talk about why like kind of this is bad and maybe what athletes should do in, instead. And most of the athletes, many of the listeners to this podcast are surfers or runners. Some triathletes too. Yeah. So coffee, you know, obviously coffee is very popular and popular because it works. You get energy right away. Um, there's, you know, no denying that. And it does boost athletic performance too. Coffee, coffee works for sure. But what I try and help people understand in the book is that you are borrowing energy. This is not free. You know, the energy does come from somewhere. And fatigue, greater fatigue later, is going to be the result of more energy now. You're just kind of like shopping with a credit card. You get it now, but you pay later. And just the idea of 
adrenal nourishment as opposed to stimulation, I think can really be helpful too. So I went through a phase where I was training a ton, about 40 hours a week, and my adrenals got burned out. 40 and, hours and a week training? Had, yeah, when I was doing Ironman training got it. Um, back in, I think it was 97, 98, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my adrenals got fried, and I knew that because the symptoms, and I didn't know right away, but later on I found out that I had all the symptoms of adrenal fatigue, which is you know, craving, um, especially in the evening, if you get these intense cravings for sugar and starch, um, general fatigue, not sleeping well, even though you're tired, really be, being dependent on caffeine and sugar, also even gaining a bit of body fat, even though you exercise a huge amount, and losing some muscle too, because high cortisol is actually catabolic, so you um, you will lose muscle and you will gain fat. So um, having kind of experienced some of that, I, I was looking for more sustainable energy source as opposed to just caffeine. And I found that basically it's eating more nutrient-dense whole foods and some things like maca. Maca is really specifically good for the adrenal. helps bring down cortisol. Maca, uh, like M-A-C-A? Yep. That, that stuff's crazy. Yeah, and all, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's great. And, and just all these different foods that are nutrient-dense bring down cortisol mm. um, because stress is, so just to back up a little bit, but stress um, is stress regardless of how, uh, of, of the source. The yep. result is the same, which is high cortisol. So it could be stress at work. It could be personal and family stuff. It could be worrying about things you have no control over, like, you know, psychological stress, or it could be physical. It could be, you know, polluted air. You breathe polluted air, or you have lots of you train tons. And so overtraining is a form of physical stress, of course. So all these different stresses converge to raise cortisol. Now, the way I divide it up in my book, I talk about complementary and uncomplementary stress. So uncomplementary would be um, a form that you get no no payout on. So again, the psychological stress, worrying about things you don't have control over, um, or eating low-quality food that you, there's nothing good that comes from that. You just mm-hmm. get high cortisol. Um, complementary stress, on the other hand, is stuff like exercise. When you train, it is physically stressful, but the result is you get fitter. So there's a payback. So that's good. Uh, working hard, you know, you've got to work a lot and get a project done or whatever. That's fine. You get something done. You have something to show for it, even though cortisol went up. There's a trade-off. So that's okay. So if you can lower uncomplimentary stress, you can actually work more or train more before you hit um, your stress threshold, which we all have. And then once that spills over, high cortisol is to that, and then all the symptoms that go along with that, like I mentioned before, trouble sleeping, uh, weight gain, um, even loss of muscle, craving caffeine, sugar, all those types of things. So my goal with that, when I started realizing these things over time, was to, of course, nourish the adrenals, bring down cortisol, and the way I found to do that is, like I say, just really eating those clean plant-based foods that I, I outline in the book that's really is very basic good food. And then what I find too is when cortisol is lower, you sleep more deeply. So you get the deep delta phase of sleep, which most of us never get in. But if you do get into that phase, that's when your body regenerates and renews itself. So it's very, very efficient sleep. So the result is less sleep. So when efficiency goes up, quality goes up and uh, quantity comes down. So you can get by with seven hours sleep a night and feel great because you're sleeping so deeply when cortisol is low, and then, of course, you wake up and you're fresh, you're rested, you don't crave coffee, you don't crave sugar, 
and then you treat as the cause of the problem, not the symptom. And coffee, of course, symptom treating, which again is fine for a period of time, but just people need to realize that it does come at a cost, yeah. um, which is like I say, adrenal fatigue. I love this because when you live wildly and you want to do these great things, you have to be at the top of your game, and and what you put into your body, obviously, as you said, can can affect you so much. I've noticed. I've gone plant based and. It's like I'm a new person, but I have experienced adrenal fatigue, especially when I'm on deadline and I get these weird cravings and I'm like, I don't understand why, but it always happens around intense deadlines and like the bigger the magazine and the more important the story, the worse that, that, that kind of sets in. It's, it's really stress. That's interesting. You've helped a lot of athletes, like high level athletes, as well as some famous celebrities, Venus Williams, Hugh Jackman. What's it been like helping those types of people? Well, it's really very much like helping other yeah, other people. That's uh, true. Other yes. I mean, they're just, you know, people who are trying to be better. They're just trying to get better at what they're doing. Um, with Hugh Jackson, for example, he, uh, just a few years back, he was trying to put on muscle um, for one of his roles. And, and he could do that eating more conventionally, but he never felt good. He felt really heavy and bloated, didn't have the energy, so wanted to try and do it more plant-based and and he just found that, um, that yeah, a diet that's more efficient helped him you know, build muscle, uh, yet still feel good and be able to move and be agile and, um, and dance as well for him. He did a Broadway show soon after that and, you know, found that he could move really well and, and was really happy with it. So, yeah, it's just, it's again, just finding these, these solutions, um, a lot of which can, can come through just a well-put-together nutrition program. So I know you, you've talked a ton about nutrition and health and people can find all the resources on your website and your books as well. I just have to ask you one selfish question. So many of my friends give me heat for being a vegan now and, and they keep asking me, Shelby, how do you get your protein? How do you get your protein? And I don't look like I don't get enough protein. I look like I get plenty of protein. But I, I always tell them, you know, look at look at a gorilla, look at an elephant. They eat only plants. I mean, it's not hard to get protein. They're in everything. All of your plants have proteins. Is there a better scientific answer I can give them when, when they ask, like, Shelby, where do you get your protein? Yeah, well, I think one of the best uh, best responses is really just the, the results. You know, like you say, I mean, it's not as though you're protein deprived and, uh, you know, neither am I, neither a lot of the athletes I, I know and work with. And I think it's really just being that example um, for them. I, I think also, too, yeah, if you want to give them a bit more of an explanation, you, uh, when you eat more whole foods, you don't, um, yeah, you, you got protein in everything. Because otherwise, a lot of the refined food that people eat, it's, it's just starch, starch and sugar with some bad fat in there as well. So when you eat more uh, just plant-based whole foods, like a big salad, for example, spinach salad, spinach and kale has about 45% protein. So you actually get quite a lot of protein just in greens. And spirulina and chlorella, these other these elements. Thank you so much for that. That's that's actually really helpful. What have been you know? So you've had these wild ideas. So not just you know consulting with everybody from celebrities to top athletes, writing books, creating Vega, creating other products. Have there been any tenants that you've kind of stuck to that that's been sort of threaded throughout executing all these wild ideas? Like how do you do it? Yeah, it's kind of, 
it's really just deciding what you want to do and coming up with a plan. Like, I know that sounds oversimplified, but I, I think it's just really uh, having that kind of clarity on what it is you want and kind of working backwards. Just go to go to the end and see it as you want it to be and then just figure out the steps you need to take and, um, and just kind of work backwards in a sense. Has it been working with finding like the right people though or... I mean, because to pull off something like creating a, a nutrition company, especially something packaged that has to get approvals in different countries, I mean, that, that takes a lot of knowledge that most people don't have and they need to get somewhere else. So is it surrounding yourself by other people or going and finding them or do they find you sometimes? Yeah, good partners um, are definitely important for us and ones that are, are synergistic as well, you know, ones that complement one another um, as far as skill set goes. Of course, you, you know, you don't want another person who's just like you because then you step on each other's toes. So you want someone who, um, you know, who's really good at maybe what you're not so good at, vice versa. So, yeah, finding the right partners for sure. How do you find your partners? Well, yeah, it depends. Like with Vega, for example, Charles, who started Equal, which imported Vega or imported Maca before Vega existed. Yeah, like for, for that one, for example, I was just listening to the radio one day. This was back in, this was many, many years ago, probably 15 years ago. I was just listening to the radio and someone was on there talking about adrenal fatigue. So really the things that we were just talking about here and described all the symptoms and that sounded like me. So I started looking into MACA um, and then I I actually found the guy um, who was speaking on the radio, I, I found his website and started reading about him, and it turns out he lived just very close to me. So we met up and just got to talking, and um, and we became partners, and that was that was it. That's how we started Vega. Okay, that's so, a great story. I love that you just like randomly called him up. I do that to people all the time, <laughs> but that's that's a great yeah. story. It works out. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, and it's, I think having a sense, too, of what you need you know, I think one mistake I see people make when, when they start companies is just finding, you know, they find a lot of really good people, but they're not strategic of where they want those people and what role they want those people to do. So you just have a lot of really good people, but no real direction. You need um, someone to, to basically say, we need to do these things, and these are the people who can do each one of those, and then just put together a team. It's really, um, again, it comes back to knowing uh, what what you want the end result to be, and then finding finding people who, who specialize in each one of those things. What are what are you working on now? I know you have a new magazine, Alive, and some new food companies. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of some of the projects that are right now in the works? Yeah. So um, yeah, the the big recent thing is Alive magazine, as you mentioned. So. That's, uh, it's, it's a free magazine, which I'm really pleased about. I oh. wanted to, to try and make it free. Um, so it's in all the Whole Foods. So, of course, the advertisers supported. There are advertisers in it that covers the cost. But, uh, of course, it makes it free to the consumer, which is good. You know, getting information out there to more people, I think, is always a good thing. So that's quarterly. It will be in most health food stores um, in the U.S. When will it hit Whole so, Foods? Yeah, that's, I, have, I haven't uh, seen it there yet. Okay, yeah, it's in some of them now. It okay. should be uh, maybe the second round for the one that you're you're talking about because it will be released in stages. I think there. Got it. Um, so yeah, that's you know that's quite a big project. 
that I want to do for a while because it's, again, just coming back, getting information out there and highlighting really smart people too. There's a lot of great contributors we have. We have a mentor board that's uh, full of uh, you know people who are really good at what they do. And I'm always interested in that. I, you know, part of Alive is about finding, um, you know, finding people who have had great success and just trying to learn from them and find out how they've gotten there because there's obviously many ways to, to be successful. Everyone has their own story, but just, um, yeah, finding ones that you can relate to best and having these people write articles, um, I think is quite interesting and just getting some insight into to what they're doing. And the magazine uh, focuses a lot on sport, fitness, nutrition, but there's also quite a lot to do with uh, entrepreneurship and startups and technology and um, that sort of thing as well. So it's quite broad that way. Cool. Is there anything else you're working on right now? I think you mentioned a, a burger, maybe? Yeah, so Beyond Meat is a company based in Los Angeles that came out recently with the Beyond Burger, which is an amazing burger um, made out of pea protein, mostly pea protein, um, and it's just phenomenal. It's, if people haven't tried it, definitely give that a try. So completely plant-based, more protein than a beef burger, more iron than a beef burger. Whoa. Uh, it tastes amazing. So really, really well done. And that came through years and years of technology coming together, heat and pressure and different different machinery. Basically, you put pea protein through it, you know, organic non-GMO peas that are grown in the U.S. And so it's really, really great leap forward um, to help people get off, off meat, um, whether it's health, ethical, or environmental reasons. And it's, it's sold in the meat case, too, which is really revolutionary. Uh, you can actually, when you go to look for it, it will be next to, to hamburger in the meat section. And so I'm working with them on, um, we did a burger a while ago together, a collaboration called the Beast Burger, which is really um, a burger that's more for athletes. So there's uh, omega-3 fats in there. There's several things that help speed recovery, um, turmeric and ginger, but you don't taste that. Um, and yeah, it's basically a very nutrient-dense plant-based burger that's available in, in a lot of places now as well. It's in Whole Foods. It's actually even in Walmart now. Can you so get it online anywhere? Um, it's frozen, so hmm. I don't think you can get that one online. Okay. But it's in it's in a lot of um, pretty much all grocery stores now. So we're working on version two for that right now, 2.0, that will use the Beyond Burger base. And then add in um, the nutrients to make the beast burger the beast burger. And that will come out, I'm not sure when, probably in the fall. I just um, love that name, the beast burger. It sounds very, very intense, very tough. And yeah, I love well, that it's made out of it's, pea protein. It's hilarious. It's, it sounds great. Yeah, it's, and you can barbecue it too. You know, it stands up really well to heat. And, awesome. And yeah, it's just the idea of having, you know, like, will you ask me to eat? You know, obviously we know what they eat before workouts and during and immediately after. But what do you have for lunch or for dinner if you're an athlete and you put in a big day of training? Obviously, you want something to digest easily so blood can uh, remain in your arms and your legs delivering nutrients and removing waste products as opposed to having to go to your stomach. You don't want to eat something that's big and heavy and requires all that blood to leave, which is a slow recovery. So a lot of thought went into developing this burger uh, for the athlete. So, yeah, I think it's... It's quite interesting. Sounds like an exciting project. It's probably going to win some awards too. 
speaking of meat, this is probably a good time to ask you, how does kind of what you eat or not eat affect the environment? The environment is just, I mean, it's, it's everything right now and such an important topic today. Sometimes we don't realize what we eat can affect it. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there's definitely, obviously now a lot of people, of course, understand um, the value of trying to produce less CO2. So, of course, you know, hybrids and electric cars are getting more and more popular. But, yeah, like you say, you know, food, a lot of people don't realize that, of course, because food is produced off somewhere else. Whereas, you know, in a city like Los Angeles, you see the smog over the city, you know that it's because cars are, you know, spewing this stuff out. So it's very tangible, whereas meat and food production in general, um, you know, we just don't see the pollution that comes along with that. But the UN brought out a report a while back now um, that basically shows animal agriculture creates uh, more CO2, nitrous oxide, methane, more basically greenhouse gases than, than all of transportation combined. So pretty significant. Um, so what we can do, obviously, is use eat foods that were produced more efficiently. So foods that use less water, land, fossil fuel, and produce less CO2 um, and methane and nitrous oxide, which, of course, is the plant. Of course, you know, animal agriculture is generally quite inefficient in that you have to grow food, which, you know, we could just eat, and then you feed it to an animal, which a lot of that is burned off. Um, and energy, and also a lot ends up as manure, and then a lot is off gas as well as methane. So there's just much more efficient ways to produce it. And, um, of course, plants is a great great way to do that. And things like pea protein and, you know, hemp is great as well, a very efficient crop to grow. Um, pumpkins for pumpkin seed is really good as well. Um, and, yeah, just plants in general, just growing things more efficiently. Algae is a great one. Algae is... Um, you know, one of the, the most efficient um, plants there is as far as uh, needing resources compared to the amount of nutrition that it, uh, that it yields. So a lot of really uh, exciting things there, too, around um, basically just more efficient farming methods. So basically eat beast burgers, not real burgers from cows. Yeah, <laughs> that will make a big, um, big difference for sure. What do you do to train these days? Well, I'm not, um, I don't have any races coming up. I, I just kind of do things for fun now. So I'll do one or two uh, things a day, uh, bike, bike or run. I'll bike or run most days and then um, usually go to the gym, do some kettlebell type stuff, even some boxing. I've been doing a bit of that. Uh, just regular gym stuff too. Just more for fun, just to, um, yeah, just because I like it, not, not with any real goal in mind. I just want to ask you really quickly, since, since 2004, when you started Vega, what's, what's changed in the, in the industry? Like how have people changed? How has the food industry changed, especially when it's come to plant new nu- plant-based nutrition? Well, it's, um, at first, of course, it was quite fringe. Um, and now it's, now it's not, I mean, it really has made a huge amount of progress. And I think a lot of that is due to the millennials, you know, this whole new generation has come of age. Uh, in the last few years. And, you know, they, they demand generally um, transparency. You know, they want to know where their food is produced and who produces it and who benefits and who doesn't and are the workers paid fairly, you know, is, is the environment taken into consideration. So they want to know when they're buying a product what they're voting for. They want that transparency. So I think 
just that desire for knowledge and um, and wanting to, to do the right thing, you know, really caring about uh, what they're, they're supporting has really fueled that for sure. Go millennials. Awesome. If you could go back and um, do anything different or sort of add more chapters to that first book, what, what would you add and talk about? Or I'm, I'm guessing there's probably a new edition out, but. Yeah. Well, so the first book, actually 10th year anniversary comes out this month of my first book, Drive. Awesome. And then I did, um, I, yeah, I did another book a few years later that was basically the environmental aspect of that. So mm-hmm. I looked at, at efficiencies, food production efficiencies. So I think that's really important too. And yeah, you know, it's a good question. I think um, in this 10th anniversary edition, not that much has changed. I added a new intro and I, I talked about the millennial coming of age and, you know, wanting the transparency and wanting, uh, wanting more accountability on the behalf of food producers and all of that. And um, I think, um, yeah, just really bringing that to light and helping people realize that, that that's, that's going to be important. People want to be part of the process. Well, we'll have um, links to where to get your book in the show notes for sure. Who are your influences? Is there anyone you look up to or go to for advice or if you could meet, you'd love to meet them? Um, not Not so much in terms of, uh, celebrities, famous people, anything like that. But someone who's really helped me a lot along the way has been Charles, who is my mega partner. He, um, you know, at the time I did triathlon full time and really just knew how to swim, bike, run, sleep. That was about it. That was my life. And, um, you know, he's, he's such a, a smart entrepreneur and really, um, really taught me a lot. You know, not even just like sitting me down and saying, hey, do this, this, and this, but more just, you know, observing him and just seeing how how he acts and responds and um, and gets things done. You know, he's just he's very very efficient and um, gets an incredible amount done. And um, so yeah, definitely him. I love that um, he was the guy yeah. who was bringing maca into the world because maca's maca's such an interesting superfood. My fiance used it. He's been using it for years. I tried it. I've never run up a mountain so fast in my life. Another guy said, "Oh, that's just placebo effect," but um. I don't know. I felt something when I took it. So I think there's something there. I think long term with MACA as well, like I say, you know, adrenal nourishment, which brings down cortisol, which allows you to sleep better, more deeply, which, you know, obviously if you're better rested, you're going to have more energy. And that's holistic energy. That's the real stuff. That's not simulation. So, yeah, I think, you know, that that approach is, is really good. So I wanted to ask you really quickly, because we were talking about books and you've written quite a few and you have a magazine, what's your writing process like? It's, um, yeah, it's a good question. And I know it's different for everyone. Um, I, it's hard for me. Uh, I have to really force myself. I think a lot of people do as I've realized. Yeah, writing's hard for a lot of people, (laughs) including myself and and I'm a writer. Right. Well, I think that's good to know because... Uh, at first, I kind of had the impression that these people who write books, it, it just kind of flowed from them and, you know, it was easy. They kind of needed to write. But that's just not the case as I found. And, you know, um, actually, um, I read a book recently called On Writing by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. I've never actually read any of Stephen King's books, but obviously he writes many, many books and uh, apparently they're very good. So I was interested in his process. So I got this book called On Writing. And it was, you know, it was actually very 
encouraging in that, you know, he finds it hard. He, he gets up each morning and he goes into the basement and he doesn't come out until he's written, I think, 2,000 words. And he just does that every day. And he, that's his process. He has to force himself, you know, there's no windows, there's no distractions, and he just gets it done. And um, like I say, I think that, that sort of thing, just knowing that was helpful. So I, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I have to really focus on it. And when it goes well, it goes really well. But it only goes well if I'm not distracted and if I am really thinking about it. For me, often after a run, you know, my head kind of is more clear and I find I can focus a little better then um, and just get some of the ideas. Because, of course, you know, my ideas don't come to me while I'm sitting in front of the computer. They come when I'm, you know, out in the world walking around or running or whatever. And, and then you never have a pen. <laughs> Right. Well, now the great thing about Notepad, right, on the phone, I just I take notes. That's great. And then that shows up on my computer screen, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then I turn that into a chapter or something and expand it. So that's that's been actually really helpful, too, is just being out there and just taking notes, like little things I, I want to explore or expand on, and then it's on my computer. And then when I actually sit down there, the writing process is really just transcription. It's really just me going through um, and transcribing what was already in my head. There's no actual thinking that happens while I sit at the computer. Um, and so I've just sort of come to come to work with that. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Is there any other books that you've read recently or that you love and recommend or would give as a gift? Uh, there's one I read a while back. Um, I, I haven't actually been reading that much lately. I've just been so busy with things, but it's called Last hours of ancient sunlight and it's really just about energy it's really about coal and oil and um, you know just energy transfer and just understanding what natural resources are like all the energy ever on earth has come from the sun originally of course you know coal being fossil fuel used to be a plant or something organic that photosynthesized uh, sunlight and that grew and then eventually it died and it decomposed and that turned into oil but you know, that was from sun, you know, sun through a plant into coal. And now we're, you know, burning coal and releasing that sunlight and that heat back out into the atmosphere that originally came into sunlight is now going back as, as heat and energy. So it was just kind of interesting learning the whole process of, of energy transfer, you know, maybe not totally on topic, but I just thought it was really interesting. No, it sounds, it's actually really on topic. I mean, there's a lot of environmental activists who I interview on the show and I mean, as athletes and surfers and outdoors people, I think most people care a lot about the environment. It sounds like a really important book for the time. Is there anything that you always travel with? Because I know you're on the road all the time. The things you love to have on the road? Just basic food stuff. Like, of course, Vega. I take Vega One um, with me. And that's, you know, that's kind of it. I just make sure I have good nutrition. And, uh, and I mean, obviously my, my workout stuff, I take my running shoes and all those things, but, uh, yeah, really just some, some good basic food. What's your uh, favorite flavor, Vega? I go, yeah, different stages. I go through stages. I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of rotate it all. Okay. Well, mine is always chocolate. Hint, hint. Just kidding. <laughs> it's so good. Right. Is it true that sometimes you'll just like take Vega and just put it in your mouth and eat it like that, not even mix it in water? Or is that just a rumor I heard? Oh, yeah. No, that's definitely true. I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, when you're driving around, I live in L.A., so 
driving around, and if you put it in a cup, and then, you know, you drink it, and there's still a bit in there, and then the sun, you know, it gets, and it's, because it's food, so it goes bad. Like, it will go bad by the end of the day. It will, it will stink, and then I'll have to wash it. And then there's a mess, and so I'd rather just have a water bottle and just dump powder in my mouth and then drink some water, and then there's no mess. <laughs> You're all about efficiency. I love it. If you could go back in time and tell your 15-year-old self one thing, what would you tell him? Um, it's a good question. I think, um, I think just stay the course, you know, if you just keep, you just keep working, you'll, you'll get to where you want to be. I love that. Just really, uh, yeah, just really, and, and don't, uh, yeah, don't get distracted or start going down these rabbit holes that other people will have you believe is some sort of, uh, better way. Uh, you know, if you really believe what you're doing and, and you believe it is, is the right way and you can rationalize it. You, you know, you have, you have to put some real thought into it, then stay the course. And if you could kind of, I guess, drive a eco-friendly plane across the sky and it could have a billboard trailing behind it, what would, what would your message to the world be? Oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I think, um, <laughs> sorry, these are my questions I ask every guest. So yeah, I, I, uh, let's see. Let's give that a little thought. Yeah, I guess it would have to be pretty short, so you can't get to uh, yeah, start writing many sentences there. You can write a um, sentence on this billboard. It's okay. Okay. Maybe do, do what needs to be done. And I think that can be interpreted many many ways, I guess, but I think there's a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, if it makes you happy, then, then it's good. But I think that's, uh, that's, that's maybe one part of it. But I think also the consequences of your happiness, consider that too. You know, that Sheryl Crow song, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad, that song. I don't think that would be as popular these days. You know, with these millennials around, they got to, uh, you know, they got to know, is, is, there, is there a bad consequence to your happiness? Mm. Uh, be considered. I like that. Is there any advice you can give to people who just want to live more wildly? I think just, just go by instinct a lot more. I think, um, I think people can be out, talked out of things by those who don't think as big and, don't think as uh, as boldly. You know, I, before I wrote my first book, people said, don't write a book because mm. there's a lot of work, it's frustrating, and you won't make any money from it. And maybe that had been their experience, but it doesn't mean it's going to be your experience. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, just just know, know what you want, um, figure out what it is you want, and then uh, figure out how to go and get it. Brendan, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy, busy guy. You're off to London tomorrow. So awesome sharing your information with the world. Really appreciate your time. I will put links in the show notes on where to find your book. Where is the best place people can find you now? Uh, my website is, is good. So brendanbrazier.com um, is, is a good one. There's a free video series too that I talk about a lot of the nutritional things we covered today in video and some downloads and recipes and things, and that's thriveforward.com. It's a good resource. Thriveforward.com? So, uh, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, and then the magazine, quite a bit of it too. The recent edition, a lot of it can be read online, uh, alive.com as well. Awesome. I can't wait to see that magazine and uh, hopefully contribute an article down the line. Brendan, thank you so much for coming on Wild Ideas Worth Living. I will put links on where to find everything related to you as well as those recipes. Thanks so much in the show notes. I hope you have an awesome time in London and yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Shelby. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode with Brendan Brazier. If you have questions about the way he eats or you just didn't quite get enough, you can actually go to his website and he has a whole Q&A section and I'll have links on things that Brendan spoke about in more detail in the show notes on the website. So if you go to wildideasworthliving.com, click on Brendan's episode, then click on read more. There'll be links on where to buy his books, as well as food recommendations like his organic maca, the vegan plant-based protein powder, the Beyond Meat sliders, books he recommends, his magazines, and so much more. And if you still have questions, you can just email me, shelby at wildideasworthliving.com. I usually answer emails fairly fast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thanks to all of you who've written reviews on iTunes. Please keep them coming. We love them. Thank you for telling your friends. Thanks to Kelly Masula, who's been helping with the show notes, to Annie and Harry, who've been helping with production, and to our sponsor, Prana. Right now, if you go to prana.com and enter code WILDIDEAS, you'll get 20% off full-priced items. I love Prana clothes because they're sustainable, they're comfortable, they're really cute, and when they come ship to your house, they arrive in this beautiful, minimal packaging that's eco-friendly, it makes you feel good, and the clothes look awesome. So thanks again for listening and subscribing, and if you have any feedback, email me. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day.